0: Hello, Digital Cathedral family. Brace yourselves for an awe-inspiring journey on Don Keefley's podcast. Take a seat, find your comfort, and let's plunge into the heart of the divine. Listen closely to this August 6th message titled, Next Level Living, a feast for your spirit.
1: Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Once again, I'm glad that you're with me, watching from wherever you're at around the world. Whether it's Australia, Africa, England, or next door to me right here in Texas. Good to have you with me. Hope you've had a good week and looking forward to even a better week. I want to just say when I start this morning that we're going to be on a journey for about the next, um, see this is August 6th, September 6th, almost two months, probably about eight or nine lessons and I'm gonna be laying some foundation down of where I want to go in October. I'm gonna come in October, I'm gonna begin a a protracted series. I don't know how long it's gonna take. But we're gonna look at some things that are going to be um, revolutionary. It's gonna be deep, it's gonna be strong, it's gonna be good. But before I get to October, I learned a long time ago, maybe you've heard me say this, I learned a long time ago that whenever you bring revelation without foundation, <laughs> you're opening the door to condemnation. <clears throat> I've learned that the hard way sometimes. So between now and the first Sunday of October, I'm going to be laying some foundation down for the revelation that I want to bring to you beginning in October. So it's going to be exciting. But before we ever get there, I want to, I want to ground us in some things. Let me encourage you to do something. Let me encourage you when you come on Sunday morning, or if you're listening to this after I do it uh, at the the 10 o'clock Digital Cathedral, first time through, I want you to just listen and absorb. Don't be too concerned about taking notes or coming up with questions in your mind. I want you just to drink it in internally And let it settle in. And then if you want to take notes, I know some of you use the Sunday Morning Digital Cathedral for your Bible study, your weekly Bible study. And I've got pastors that use the material and they move it around a little bit and teach it in their church. That's all fine. No problem with that. But come back and listen to it a second time. Actually, by going through it the second time, you will have had some idea of where what I'm teaching in this foundational Series And for some of you, this is not going to be foundation. it's going to be revelation. But I'm pointing to a time. I'm pointing to October. So you come through the second time. Take some notes and review the scriptures, meditate the scriptures, that kind of thing. But I, I just want you to, to pull all that I have. I want you to pull on me from wherever you're watching this. Okay? So this morning, we're going to kick off. And I want you to pay attention. Don't miss any of the weeks between now and October. If you have to come back, during the week or the week after, whenever. Just make sure you get everything that I'm going to lay down here over the next few weeks. Fair enough? All right, let's begin this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse, uh, let me pick it up in verse 4 through 6. Paul says this. He says there is one body and there is one spirit just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is through all, above all, and in all. Now, when I was re- when I read that scripture through, did was there any word that stuck out there? How about the word one? And we're gonna we're gonna hit we're gonna deep dive that a little bit this morning. I want you to get a real. Uh, concept of what this oneness is. Everything that Paul learned about oneness, everything he learned about unity, he learned uh, out in the desert from Jesus. Paul said that what he learned, he didn't learn from man. He learned it directly from Jesus by revelation. Boy, that takes, that takes a real trailblazer. You, th- you think you and I are blazing a trail in what we're doing. Think about Paul. There's nobody that was teaching what he taught. There was nobody that had the revelation he had. So he was swimming upstream and he's bringing to us a tremendous revelation when he says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all through all and in all. We've read that six verse so many times because I think it, it proves the universality of the fatherhood of God. But verses four, five, and six, the stress that he's putting on <clears throat> is the oneness, the union. Jesus understood oneness. Jesus understood union and the union that we have with the Father and that we have with one another. What we're going to really zone in on this morning is the union, the oneness that we have with the Father. And Jesus laid down several scriptures. For example, in John chapter 14 and verse 20, he said, and we do this scripture so much we probably all know it by heart. He said, in that day you'll know that I'm in the Father and that you're in me and that I'm in you. Well, if he's in the Father and he's in us and we're in him, then the Father's in us as he was in Jesus, that's one. There's a a oneness, there is a union, there's a unity between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and you. I think the, the, the word perichoresis describes it well. The word perichoresis describes a circle dance of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in union together and perichoresis is the opening of the hands or the arms of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and welcoming you into that circle. And I'm not, I am not—I don't have time to get into that this morning. I just want you to get the picture of your union and your oneness in that circle, the perichoresis of the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and, and you. So Jesus said, John 14, 20, in that day you'll know that I'm in the Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. Then in John, John seemed to have a real good handle on this idea of union. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I and my father are one, not two. We understand that with the father and with Jesus. What we're going to look at this morning is that includes you. If, If the father sees you as a son, if Jesus was the prototype, he was the firstborn among many brothers, the way that the Father sees Jesus, Jesus came to say, hey, this is how the Father sees you. Jesus makes the declaration, I and the Father are one, and he could just as well have said, which he did in John 14, 20, that you and the Father are one. Then in John chapter 17, when Jesus prays, in John chapter 17 and verse 21, <clears throat> he says, "He says, and he prays this, he said, Father, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. So Jesus there again makes it even more ex- explicit. Just as I, just as the fact that I am in you and you are in me, and they are in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. But this is one of the greatest tools of evangelism we have is a demonstration of union, demonstration of oneness. Verse 22 says, In the glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, just as we are one, in them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them just as you loved me. Now, it's absolutely imperative you understand that the love of the Father flows to you because of the union, of the oneness, of what he created you in image and likeness, and brings you in then to full relationship with himself. Now we trace this right back to Genesis chapter 1, when God set the whole thing up, He set it in oneness. Everything that God created was one way, it was very good. He looked at creation and said it's good, He created man and said it's very good. Right? One source. Everything that man needed was in one source, the garden. When God created the garden, He didn't create several different ways that man could receive what he needed, He created one way. Everything the Father does comes out of oneness. And it's not till the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is introduced into humanity that we begin to see dualism. We begin to see two. See, good and evil, right and wrong, right and left, up and down. It's it's an entirely different world that opened up all of a sudden to man. And man became self-determining, determining what was right, what was wrong, what was good, what was evil whereas the tree of life is the tree of one. It's only good, and it's all that God produces. It's all that God puts out. And so when we eat from the tree of life, we're tapping into, we're responding to what the Father says. The tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you make the determination of what is right and what is wrong, and that's what's got our culture and our world headed in the wrong direction. And what excites me is that I see a move of people Beating a path from the tree of the knowledge, of good and evil, back to the tree of life. The tree of life, let me just say it again. It's the tree of one. It's the it's the only way you eat from the tree of life is to respond to the Father. What he says, you respond to. You don't have to make determination if it's right, wrong, good, or evil. You just simply respond. So this morning, I want to really nail down this oneness. I want to nail down this union and how to live in that reality. Because where I'm gonna go in October, I want you to be so totally convinced of your union and oneness with the Father, and that you are actually living in that reality. So this morning, I'm gonna to reveal to you how to move into that place of absolute oneness. Now this is gonna be deep, this is gonna be heavy. For some of you, it might be a little bit of a review. But I have a feeling for a lot of you here at the Digital Cathedral, this might be brand new ground. So strap yourself in. Get your seatbelt hooked up and, and, and let's, let's go to this. All right? Can we just go through this this morning, kind of line upon line? I'm going to use a lot of scripture. When I'm done this morning, I want you to go, wow, I really am one with the Father. There is no, there is no division. There is no separation. There is no him and me. There is only us together as one. Right? Now you you're one with him with distinction. You don't lose your personality. You don't lose your appearance, uh, your priorities. Your call. None of that is effective, But what what is what is the union is in, in spirit, right? He, he created you, blew into you the breath of life, which was spirit. Now perhaps the greatest tool we have to understand union and oneness is also the tool that I think has been greatly abused. And that is the tool of prayer. Now, as soon as I say prayer, some of you are going to get an image. Some of you are going to get a, a, a perception, a concept of what prayer is. And you're going to pull back on what you've always done in prayer, which was to go to God with requests, go to God asking him for things, go, going to God uh, in your time of need and bawling and squalling. I want to talk to you about what prayer is because it's a great tool. It's a great connector. Prayer in its highest form, listen to me, prayer in its highest form is simply looking steadfastly at all the Father is, at all that the Father has already freely given to us. Say it again. Prayer is simply looking steadfastly at the Father, getting your, your gaze focused on him, and at the same time, realizing and understanding, and this is going to be growing in, in consciousness, growing in perception, and understanding of everything that he's already given us. Let me, let me read that, those verses from 2 Peter chapter 1 again. Because some of you are going, I, I, I don't know all that he's given to me. Well, that's what we're doing this morning. We're unveiling everything that he has given to us because everything he does is good. And every, every gift that he gives is a good gift. Everything that he bestows is always good. That you don't have to go outside of yourself. Everything that man needed was in the Garden of Eden. Isn't that right? Man did not have to go down to the, to the 7-Eleven. He didn't have to go over to Kroger's or H-E-B or uh, Wine Gardens or whatever grocery stores in your area. Everything that man needed was in the garden. Now, the garden is within you. So I'm going to confirm for you that everything that you'll ever need has already been placed within you. Now, does that mean I even make a trip to Walmart or, you know, Home Depot or Lowe's? Of course not. But he provides you the means to get what you have already. Now, watch, watch this. I'm just driving this home this morning because I want you to see that, that we have utilized our great connector, which is prayer. We've utilized it in the wrong way. Here's what he says: Second Peter chapter one and verse two. He said, "Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of our of our God and of our Lord Jesus Christ." So, what I'm doing this morning is I'm simply dispensing some knowledge. It's going to take the Spirit to open your eyes to see what I'm getting at this morning. I can teach it, but I can't. Ex- I, I, I can teach it, but I can't. I can't get it for you. I can explain it. <laughs> I can expound on it, but you've got to get it for yourself. Okay. Verse three. As his divine power, watch, as his divine power, his divine power, he has done this, has given to us all things, all things, no limitation, no asterisk in the verse that says we have to look down to to see what all that includes. He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you might be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the, the lust and the corruption that is in the world. Okay, So the, the verse says that he has given to us everything that pertains to life and Godliness. There's nothing outside of that. There's nothing you'll ever need in life except what he's already given. Given to everything that pertains to life and godliness, it's within you. And you tap into it through the oneness. second, second Peter 1 is the tree of life, it's responding to what you already possess. All, all we need to do now is to learn how to embrace what we already have. Using prayer to obtain what you think you don't have, all of a sudden, introduces dualism in. If prayer to you has been something that you use to pray to a God that is outside of you, to fulfill a need that is within you, but from something that is without, that's dualism. Can you see that? It's it's God and supply outside of you. It's that and you. That's two. He said he's already given to us, deposited, direct deposit into us everything that pertains to life and Godliness. So when you begin to pray to a a God that's out there for something that you think you don't have that is out there that you need, what you're doing is you're saying the Father is separated from you and doesn't know what you need, so you use prayer to tell him what you need. What you're saying is there's something in life that I need that I don't already have. It's never been given to me. I don't possess it. Jesus, Jesus did not live out of, out of that, that type of mentality. And Jesus was teaching us that we don't live out of that type of mentality either. Let me, let me just read to you from Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus, Jesus, I mean, he just pinpoints this. He hits it head on. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. He said, and when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. You ever heard people say every time, at the end of every sentence, in Jesus' name or in Jesus' name or dear father, dear father, dear God, dear God, dear father. I mean, it's just repetition time after time after time. They think that they will be heard for their many words. They don't think he's going to hear it unless they, they put the stamp of approval on the end in Jesus' name. Now, that comes from a scripture where Jesus said, anything you ask in my name, I'll do it. So they think if you know rub, the, the name of Jesus is, is rubbing the, the genie the right way, so it'll pop up and say, what are, what are your three wishes that I can grant you? It doesn't work like that. Therefore, do not be like them. Watch, 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 watch. watch. For your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Do you honestly think that when you pray and tell God what you need, He's going, "Oh my gosh, I wasn't aware of that. I wish I, I wish I'd had a revelation about it. I would have supplied that need for them. You know, I could, I could help him with it." Now He, Jesus said, He knows what you need before you ever ask. And I'll tell you this: This is what I'm experiencing. As soon as we are one in consciousness with the Father, we stop asking anything for anything that we know now that he has already given us this should this should be our confession right here this is how, this was the confession of Jesus so in October we're going we're going to really take all this down to a whole new place John chapter 3 verse 35 this needs to be our this is what Jesus said the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand never find jesus praying for a uh, a donkey payment never find jesus saying father i need some money to go over and and, and load up on groceries you, ne- you never see jesus weeping and bawling and saying father please help me out of the jesus said the father has given all things into the hand of the son now, if he sa- if jesus said that then we should be able to say that as well that should be our focus now this this brings that should be our confession. Now, this brings a little bit of focus a little bit further to the right in John chapter 16. and verse 14, Jesus said, speaking about the spirit of truth, he said, he will glorify me, watch, for he will take of what is mine, which is everything that has been placed into his hand, Father has put all into his hand, he will take of mine and declare it to you. That's what I want to drive home this morning. I want, I want him to declare to you that every need you have has already been met. Everything that you desire, you already possess. True prayer then. True prayer then is not begging God. It's a continual acknowledgement and a thanksgiving and an awareness of all that is good, which is all that the Father knows how to create. All, the Father, all that flows from the Father is good and that you're in possession of it. See, all good is ours now as much as it will ever be throughout eternity. You have possession of all things. So it's a matter of us acknowledging. It's a matter now of us accepting. It's a matter of us coming into this consciousness that the Father has given to us an inheritance. And that inheritance that we have, Peter said, is everything that pertains to life and godliness. An inheritance. You... You don't get an inheritance when you die. It's not when you get to the sweet by and by, walking on streets of gold, looking out at crystal seas and little fat baby babies with wings flying by. That's not when you have it all. You have an inheritance. An inheritance is for when you live. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. I told you I was going to use quite a bit of scripture this morning because I don't want you to think I'm moving outside of the lines of what... Oh, of what your Bible clearly says, right? Acts chapter 20, I love you all. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. That's what we're doing right now this morning. We're building ourselves up and to give you an inheritance and to give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. You are the sanctified. You're the separate. You're the called. You're the justified. You're the glorified. Is that what Romans chapter 8 tells us? So he said that we have an inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1. If that wasn't strong enough for you, let's look over here at Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 17. Oh, this is good stuff. He, He says this. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of him. When you come to the digital cathedral, I want you to leave every week, not with just a head knowledge. I want you to receive a revelation knowledge of who the Father is. And he says, I I want the eyes of your understanding to be opened, right? Give you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation and knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding and being enlightened that you may know. Watch. This is what he wants us to know. He wants you to know what is the hope of his calling And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the saints? Now, if if your granddad died, if your granddad died left you $100,000 in his will, in his will, left you $100,000 in his will, right? This this is the Father's will. Now, it's up to you whether you, you take it or not. It's up to you whether you draw on it. But the inheritance is yours. It's fully yours. And this is the difference between what where many of you are now, you're awakening and you have awakened to so much truth. It's the difference between you and the guy over here Said the First Baptist Church has absolutely no idea what an inheritance is. Has absolutely no idea of his oneness, his union with the Father. Has Nobody's ever told him what we just read from Peter that he has already given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So when you have an inheritance, you got two choices. You can begin to draw on that inheritance, which is what I'm teaching you this morning, that oneness, that union, is the way that we draw on it. You can draw on that inheritance or you can just leave it set in the bank And and never enjoy it, never spend it, never, never have it. James chapter 1, verse 17 says that every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. You have the good gift. You know why? You know why I'm so strong. Why I know I'm so sure of the inheritance that you have? Because the the one that granted you the inheritance lives within you. He's made his habitation within you when we come into full realization of the unity, when we, when we wipe every, every notion of separation between us and the Father out, we no longer live in duality. This gets us back to the tree of life. The tree of life brings revelation of what we already possess, what's in the garden, what's growing in the garden. And we're going we're gonna to see that, that prayer is continual thanksgiving. It's continual acknowledgement. Prayer is the is the opening of our eyes, the eyes of understanding, that you might know what is the inheritance that you have received. It's a realization that the Father knows, as Matthew said, that we have we have needs before we ever ask of it, and because we have needs before we ever ask, the Father's already supplied the answer before we ever pound the gates of heaven to get it. You know, you got to ask, you got to seek, got to knock, got to keep knocking. No, 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 no. The only seeking, asking, and knocking we need to do is to get understanding, to get revelation, to understand who we are, what we possess. James chapter five, or I'm sorry, 1 John chapter five. This is a powerful scripture right here. 1 John chapter five and verse 14 ah says this. Let me just turn a couple more pages here. 1 John chapter five, verse 14. I like to read this to you because, you know, when you read it out of the book, out of your book, then you can see it as well. Now watch, watch what he says here. First John chapter five, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, this is key right here. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now there's such a catch in this verse. If we ask anything according to his will, well, what's the will of God? See, we're always wondering what the will of God is. Am I really asking according to the will of God? Maybe I'm asking outside the will of God. Maybe God doesn't want me to have it. Maybe I've got a yellow light, a caution. Maybe it's a red light. I don't know what the will of God is. All right. Oh, I love what Francois, my, my good friend Francois de Toye did in the message or in the, the um, Mirror Bible. The message is good, but the mere Bible. He really takes this and he breaks that fourteenth verse down and gives us a, a, a literal interpretation of it, translation of it. it so this fourteenth verse says, "Now this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us." I think I think that verse has been manipulated to keep us on our heels. About we, you can't really be sure what his will is. You never know. You never know what God's going to do. Francois broke that 14th verse down. This is so good because it it makes sense then for verse 15. Francois in, in the mirror says it's this, it is his will to hear us in whatever we ask. It is his will to hear us in whatever we ask and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we had the petitions that we've asked of him how do we know that because he's already given it to us so we're in the process now many of us are in the process now that we're coming into a place not of his will my will that's what religion taught us. I got a will. He's got a will. I got to find out what his will is and adapt to it. Now, we're coming to place. This is what union is about. This is what oneness is about. Is it there's just one will? I got more to say about that in just a couple minutes. So we're no longer unsure of his will. We're no longer questioning what his will is. His will, when we have one will, it's what we ask of him. Are you beginning to see it? his will is our will. Our will is his will. Right, they're they're not two wills anymore. You grab onto what I'm teaching you this morning, there's not two wills, there's just one will. This is, uh, um, Paul said it a little different. He said it like this, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord, one spirit. It's not your spirit, his spirit, one spirit. He that is joined to the Lord. Are you joining the Lord this morning? He said he chose you in him before the foundation of the world. Can I just tell you, you are connected to him, you are joined to him. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. We're coming into recognition of that. It's always been separateness. It's always been my spirit, his spirit, my will, his will. See, that's the tree of dualism. That's the tree of two. So we're now recognizing that the entire universe is about oneness. right? You're part of that one, one God and father of all. There's one God and father of all. You might call him a different name, but there's one God. There's one supreme being. Christ, the creative force of the universe, is, is all and in all. Isn't that, what, isn't that what Paul taught us? There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free. There's even the Scythian out there, that old unevangelized Scythian on the frozen tundra of, Af- of, of Russia that nobody's ever evangelized. He said, Christ is all and in all, even that Scythian. See, there's only one. I'm driving it home this morning. I want you to get it down deep. So there's no more trying to receive what we already possess. Romans 11:36 says everything comes from God, passes through God, and returns back to God. You cannot move outside that cycle. Romans 11:36, you cannot move outside that circle. Everything is in the one. Man's mind is told him too. Man's mind is told him determination by, by what you think is is wise or not wise. So the, the big question is, how can we most quickly and securely attain this this consciousness of oneness with the Father? How do, how do how do we tap into it? What enables us to see as he sees, which is what I'm what 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 this is all about. It's getting to see like he sees, see, seeing through the same lens that he sees. First of all, seeing you like he sees you. Then it's seeing other people as he sees them, knowing nobody after the flesh. He doesn't see people by their behavior. By what they do, he sees them who they be. To come into that that level of oneness that we're talking about this morning is going to require, for many of us, big-time repentance. And when I say repentance, again, just like prayer, that conjures up in many of you a a picture of being down at the altar and crying and pleading and begging for God to forgive you, telling him you'll never do it again, only to go back out Tuesday and do what you already promised, and that heaps condemnation and guilt, and the whole thing spirals and circles down until finally you just throw up your hands, quit, and walked away. And that's why there's many people today that have no time for religion. But there's a spiritual hunger. They know there's something. Right, what, what, what it means is when repentance, you know the word metanoia, it means to change directions. I used to think this way. I used to think law and grace. I taught that for a long time. I got a revelation of pure grace apart from law, apart from my actions, apart from my self-righteousness, so I turned from it. That's repentance. So you and I have got to turn from every means of human receiving because it creates dualism. We look to people. We look to methods, our wits, our wisdom. All these things are determined by us becoming skilled at getting what we want our way. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Making all the decisions, manipulating people, manipulating circumstances, trying to put a control over everything so that I can get what I need. So what do we do? We zone in on the light and the life that is within us. We become highly aware of it. Jesus said in, in, in John chapter 1, let me just read it for you. John chapter 1, I'm going to read two verses here real quick. John chapter 1 verse 4. Here's where the focus goes. <clears throat> John chapter 1 verse 4. In him, speaking about Jesus, was life. In Jesus was life. Zoe, God life. And the life was the light of men. All right. So there's a light that shines in 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 man and it's the life of God. And he says in verse 9, and that true light which equals zoe life of God which gives light or life to every man that comes into the world. That's mind-blowing. <clears throat> How could I have pastored for 35 years without seeing this? Thank God I did for the last 15. That was the true light which gives light or life. It gives life to every man that comes into the world. There's nobody that's born that doesn't have the Jesus light, which equals God's life. There's nobody that's born into the world that is not filled with God's life. When he blew into man the breath of life in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, <clears throat> breathed into him, he, he, that, that set the course for man. That first reference as to what happened to the first man sets the course for every man. There's no man that, that, that doesn't inhale and exhale. Every time you inhale, you're inhaling the life of God. Did you ever think about it that way? Ever think about it? The light and the life are within us. It's not outside you. It's not something you're trying to attain. So now we're in a position. We don't run after truth. We're not trying to, to go after, we're not God chasers. We're not trying to chase down the presence of God. We're not rending the heavens, begging and pleading for God to show up with his presence and his presence becomes so real. No, 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 no. We get still. We get still and we know that he is God, that his presence surround us. Now, oh, that's, a, that's a hard lesson. That's a hard lesson. It's, it's so contrary to culture. It's so contrary to the way that we were raised just naturally but it will lead you to to a place to understand what he has imparted and and put in place within your life. We're learning to listen to what he says, not what other people say. That's repentance, man. That's a change. Jesus said in Matthew chapter, and I'm just going to paraphrase this for you, the first four verses of of Matthew chapter 18. Ah, I better read it. I don't want to paraphrase it in a way that, that's not right. In John chapter, in Matthew chapter 18. Let me read the first four verses because this, this, we're, we're talking about this this morning. We're talking about some reversals in, in the way that we operate. Watch this. At, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, "Who then is greatest in the kingdom?" Jesus called a little child of them, set them in the midst, and said, "Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted." Unless you change mind, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what that word "convert" is. I didn't look it up. It might be. It might be. I'm not sure. It might be metanoia. I'm not sure. I, I haven't checked that. But, but unless you become converted, unless you change and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom. Therefore, whosoever humbles himself as the little child. Is the greatest in the kingdom. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So Jesus is saying, "Look, we got to get back to being simplistic, being simple." Children, children are so teachable. They're so teachable, and they're they're quick to learn. They ask questions. But you know the thing about a child as he matures, his understanding changes. We got people today that have been that have been. Jesus followers 20 25 30 40 50 60 years and their understanding has never changed one iota. Something wrong with that picture. Maturing is good if it doesn't lead you to become unteachable. See, it will not. If you if you receive as a little child, you'll not become unteachable. I I never want to lose I never want to lose those aha moments. I still get those aha moments. It was an aha moment when I Discovered grace when all of a sudden the light came on. I saw I was justified, glorified, apart from my works. I was accepted. I was a son. It wasn't dependent on what I do, how well I kept the church laws and the commandments and all that. Man, that was like whoa, aha! Then the fatherhood of God, inclusion, unconditional love without conditions, mercy that lasts throughout eternity, uh, learning new grace levels for the ages to come. Those were all aha moments that caused me to change my mind but honestly i had to become very simplistic in my approach to things in order to do that i mean just the revelation we're talking about this morning for many of it just the revelation that we possess all things and we don't have to beg for them don't have to plead don't have to argue our case right we don't have to we don't have to bargain we don't have to make promises to god we don't make all kind of contracts with god god if 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 I do if you do this I'll do that God if you just get me out of this I promise I'll live for you God you 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 bust my finances this time I promise I'm going to tithe forget all that forget all that that's those are contracts God God is not a contract maker He's a covenant He's a covenant keeper See contract is when I say I'll do this if you do that and then me doing what I do is dependent on what you do and what you do is dependent on what I do. And that's what Arminianism basically is. is saying if I pray the prayer, then God will accept me. It's a contract. It's not a covenant. Covenant says that I'll stay true to you. And this is what God made with Jesus and, and included us. Remember, talk about the paracresis. He included us. He, made co- he didn't make covenant with you. He made covenant with Jesus and included you. I think he knew that if he made it with, with each of us individually, we're going to break it. So he made it with Jesus as our representative the one who came, not just for us, he came as us. He came as all human, only been two men that ever lived, first Adam, last Adam. Until, until Jesus came, everybody was in first Adam. After first Adam, everybody's now in, second, in last Adam. All died in Adam, even so all shall be made alive in Christ. He, Jesus is not second Adam, he's last. If there's a second, there'd be a third, fourth, fifth, sixth. You're, you were never in Adam. Never in Adam. Never a partaker of the mess that he got in. Our 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 culture groomed us to think good and evil, right and wrong, and that's what's got us into the mess. Because I make decisions on what's good for me. Forget you, man. I want to I want to do what's right for me, so that I'm able to get all that I need to get. Lord, teach us. <laughs> Father, help us. That we come a little babes, that we can get wisdom, that we can get your understanding, that we can get your insight. See, human wisdom. Let me just say this: Human wisdom is the consummate fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end is not what you really want. So here's what I'm, I'm driving home this morning. Paul Paul was the guy that got what he got from Jesus directly. Nobody teaching. He had to blaze a trail. He had to walk by himself. Listen to me. Don't be afraid to break away from human helps. The Father has well equipped you. He has well made you able. Trust in the one that is in you. Trust in the one that is limitless to manifest himself not only in you, and through you, but to manifest himself as you. Here's my challenge, and I challenge you to this every once in a while. Spend a little bit of time alone every day just communing with the Creator. Spend time, a little bit of time every day becoming conscious of his presence. Become aware of the provider, the supplier, the one who, who, who sees you blameless and without fault in perfect love. The one that has chosen to make you his permanent habitation. Think about that. The father used to tabernacle in this building. Now he said, I'm tabernacling. I have made you my place of habitation. My dwelling place is now you. Man, when I say that, I can't help but feel that we can see that it, we're one. Don't be afraid to, to break away from human helps, human traditions. Human wisdom, that's the consummate tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Oh my gosh, seriously? You know all things. The knowledge, the wisdom of everything resides within you because of the anointing from the Holy One that you have received. I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, you know it, and no lie is of the truth. The, 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 the lie that we buy is separation. The lie that we buy is I can figure it out for myself. He said, no, 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 no. There's an anointing within you, and you know everything. Now it's a matter of tapping into that everything. And the way you tap into it, prayer, I said, we've misused prayer. Prayer's not a begging, and squalling to God, telling him what you need. He already knows you have need before you ever ask. Prayer is basically... Coming to a place of silence where you are conscious now of the Father's presence. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Same anointing. There's nobody has greater anointing than anybody else. Everybody has been given the measure of faith. Abides in you, and you do not do not need that anyone teach you. But as the anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just as it is taught you, you will abide in Him. Now, verse 20, 27, 1 John, first John chapter two. Get your own Bible. I don't care what translation you want to read it. First John chapter 2, verse 20, verse 27, never told you that down to the church, that the anointing you have abides in you. There's no greater anointing in the pastor, the pro- apostle, prophet, evangelist, whoever, whatever title you want to give them. There's no greater anointing that abides in them that abides in you. And the anointing that you have within you, John clearly said, expressed that it will, it will teach you all things. You know all things because of that anointing. <clears throat> well, that's not meant to make you prideful or arrogant or unteachable. But it's made, I'll just say this in street language. It's been given to you to let you know that you are the real deal. You are not a counterfeit. You are not a maybe. You are not not a wannabe. You are the real deal that contains the anointing and the ability to know all things. You never have to feel lesser than. You never have to feel inferior to. You never have to think others have an advantage over you or that God favors other people over you. That's the whole purpose of the oneness. That That is a, see, thinking other people have more of an anointing, more ability, more gifting than what you do is nothing but a religious tool to create separateness and a feeling of lack that you have. You lack no good thing. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has been direct deposited into your life. Now we're learning how to draw on it. it, The way we draw it is, first of all, we become consciousness of our oneness with Him. So, in addition to just spending, you know, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, where you just zone out. You don't ask God for anything. You just say, Father, I'm right here. And you just think about His love, His goodness. Think about the qualities of a perfect Father. And I'll tell you what, he'll begin to surround you with his presence. And you're going to enjoy it so much. Listen, you're going to enjoy it so much that you're going to become conscious of his presence at different times throughout the day until you become like Jesus. And you, you know that no matter what you're facing, right, then you can draw on a consciousness of his presence. You don't have to get on your knees. You don't have to fast. You don't have to beg or plead your case. When you, when you practice his presence, and there is a practice to it. So I'm saying start with just a few minutes every day. Then as you're driving down the road in your car, and it comes to your mind that I'm one with him, just say, hey, Father, thank you that your presence always surrounds me. Thank you that I'm never outside of your, of your plan. I'm never outside of your will. I hear your voice clearly, plainly. You reside within me. Thank you for tabernacling within me. Thank you that I am now the building that houses your presence. See Jesus learned that, and he expressed it. Look what, John chapter eleven. I'm going to start landing this bus pretty quick. (laughs) If you can land a bus, John chapter eleven, and verse forty. Here's what Jesus said. John chapter eleven, verse forty. Jesus said to her, "Did I not say to you that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God? Then he, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. The story of Lazarus. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said. Father, now this is what Jesus was saying. Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me. How was Jesus so confident in that? The same way that you can become confident in it is by an awareness of his perpetual presence in your life. Now come on, if, if the Father always heard Jesus, then Jesus was conscious of his oneness with the Father. He was confident that the Father would ask what Jesus asked because whatever he asked was within the will of the Father. The will of the Father was planted within Jesus. It wasn't two wills. It was one will. Couldn't tell the difference. So when you practice his presence, here's what you're going to find. When you practice his presence, it seems like all these obstacles begin to melt away like snow. And, and, and you're not able to ask or think anything contrary to his ways or his thoughts. You become so acquainted with his, his character, his love, his plan, his, his impartation, his ability to distribute to us. So the, the only way that we can grow and overcome and live is more than conquerors is to get this mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, what is it, verse 5? says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now here's the way the mind thought, and I'm not going there because this, we're, we're probably going to get here in October. Here's how the mind of Christ thought. Let this mind, let this exact same thinking pattern be in you who thought it not robbery to be equal to God, but took upon himself the form of a servant, no reputation, didn't give himself any reputation, didn't rely on reputation, took on the form of a servant, became obedient, even the obedient to dying, to death. Let this mind, let to permit it. Then Paul gets even stronger in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 2.16. He says, we have the mind of Christ present tense. Getting the mind, having the mind of Christ, is not something you're trying to get. It's not something you're trying to obtain. See, that's dualism. It's like the mind is out there. I got to pull it into myself. No, you have it. You're in pos- full possession of it. You don't try to get that mind. Listen, 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 listen. You don't try to get that mind. You let that mind come to you. Let it rise up within you. The mind, the mind of Christ is a is a merging. It's a blending. It's a unification <clears throat> until until there is not your mind in His mind as you as you get out of this dualistic thinking of his mind my mind i'm trying to get his mind to be my mind no 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 you through consciousness through awareness through practicing the present all of a sudden you find that these the two minds now have merged as you decrease in self-dependence as you increase in christ consciousness The the mind will emerge, and there will no longer be two minds. There will only be one mind. And you will think like he thinks. You'll act like he acts. You'll move like he moves. You'll respond as he moves. And listen, you'll manifest as he manifests. All right, I'm done. If you seek truth, if you seek life, if you seek health, if you seek wisdom, if you seek a satisfying, fulfilled life, you'll never find it until you seek it from the source who has entered the very core of your being and says, this is where I live. This is where I move. I have my being in you. James said he gives to all men liberally, without holding back. Ask, and it will be given to you, because your will is now his will. You're walking as one man. Okay, let's stop it right there. That's foundational. Remember, October, we're coming with some some stuff, but I want you to let this, this, this unity, oneness, no, let it go deep and practice his presence this week. Take some time. If, if you're just driving down the, down the street, if you're walking through the store, you're cutting the grass, whatever you're doing, and you're aware, all of a sudden you think, man, yeah, God lives in me. I'm aware of that. I, I'm fully aware of that. And you just keep practicing that. Pretty soon you're going to find that you're never out of his presence. You're never consciously separated from him. Because you're not. You're one with him. All right. God bless you. I think that will hold us for this week. See you Wednesday night at the Secret Place. And we'll see you next Sunday morning at the Digital Cathedral. Have a wonderful week. Remain conscious of his presence. Knowing that you and the Father are one as much as Jesus and the Father are one. God bless.
0: Thanks for lending us your ears. Just a quick reminder. Our digital cathedral on YouTube gives subscribers the privilege of a front row seat every week. It's a place where our collective excitement amplifies. If you're ready to give, go to donkeithley.com and click on donate. Your continuous support propels our growth. And for that, we're immensely grateful. Don't forget to hit that follow button and spread the love by sharing this life-giving message with your friends. Have a week filled with blessings and divine encounters. Until next time, stay in grace.